Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We honor your name. We can't imagine what you did on that cross. We can preach it, we can sing about it, we can tell stories about it, we can read about it, but we'll never, never know how much you paid on that cross. We can justify it, we can prove it, we can scientifically analyze it, we can show it, we can watch it, but we'll never know what he did on that cross. At the cross, we bow our knee. Tonight, Lord, I ask you to change us from the inside out. We don't want to play games. We want to honour you with our hearts, not just our lips. We want to exalt the name of Jesus. We want you to speak into our hearts, to manifest the glory of God. But while you're on that cross, Lord, you're thinking of us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. And as the world goes the opposite way, as the world travels a negative way. And as the world travels downstream, we look up and we see our salvation. Because the cross is the finished work. And you alone can accomplish that cross. It was your cross to bear. And we thank you, Father, for the wonderful gift of salvation. Speak to us, not as babes, but as mature that we can eat the meat of your word, the meat of your revelation. Let us die that you may live in us. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. You are worthy of all praise. Amen. Amen. Hit the lights. Hallelujah. Welcome. The powerful video we just watched and when we look at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and I know some people say it's not Easter <laughs> but without the cross there is no other day. See Easter is a nice celebration we have because we like it but every day is Easter. Every day is Christmas. You see there's a big push in society today where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Am I black? Am I white? Am I ethnic? Am I Aussie? Am I European? Am I saved? Am I Greek? Am I free? You know, there's only two people on, in this world. There's only two people in this world. Sorry to burst your bubble. Sorry to knock down your heritage. Be, have respect and honour for where we've come from, but there's only two types of people in this world. 
the believer and the non-believer. That's the only two types of people in this world, the believer and the non-believer. And we see on that cross up here, we see that Jesus in the middle and you can argue how he was crucified, whether it was a, a post like that, was he on a tree with a pot, all that. It, see, what I want you to leave here today is that I do not have any faith in that piece of timber that he's hanging on. I do not have any faith in a cross I wear on my, on my neck. Although they are good and they are symbols, but that piece of timber did not save us. It's the sacrifice on the cross that saved us. It's the finished work of the cross. See, the crucifixion, this is a summary of a crucifixion, was torture. Leather, straps or spikes were used to hang a condemned man on a pole, like a helpless animal tangled in a barbed wire fence. The victim could survive for days with excruciating pain. Death usually came by suffocation when hanging by his hands, the victim lost his strength to draw another breath. See, 33 AD, the crucifixion of three men outside the city walls of Jerusalem changed the course of the world's history forever. Roman executioners hammered nails through the wrists and the ankles of three men and left them to die. The event was it was common in that ancient Middle Eastern time. And yet 2,000 years later, the world still talks about these three deaths. Tonight, I want to speak to you about being in the midst of Jesus and not know him. I want to talk about not understanding what Jesus did on the cross. And I want to say that, as I said, there's two types of people on this, in this world. There's the believer and there's the non-believer. she okay? Good. What's she eating? Doesn't like my message already. All right. This is bugging me. Sorry, guys. Two types of people on the cross here. Is Jesus in the middle and there's a thief on the left and a thief on the right? The Bible doesn't tell us which thief was who, but it does tell us that there was one on the left and one on the right. And when they were hanging on that cross, You've got to understand something. I often think, what are the criminals talking to Jesus when they're hanging on the cross? I think the last thing you'd be doing is talking to anyone. But you've got to understand something, that this, is a, uh, this wasn't a Jewish uh, punishment. This was a Roman punishment. And on the cross, Jesus went through so much more than the two thieves. You see, the thieves weren't just people that stole maybe a sheep here or a bread to eat or, you know, they weren't common little crooks. The word thieves, if you look it up in the Greek, it talks about bandits. They were people that would hijack caravans, people that were travelling through Rome. They would hijack houses. They were, they were basically pirates in those days. And when Roman, the Romans would catch them, they would put them on a cross. Most people would be whipped, put in jail. But crucifixion was to show everybody that if you're going to participate in this type of criminal activity, we're going to shame you and we're going to put you up there so everyone can see. That was a common way of to kill someone by punishment. But Jesus, he went through so much more. He was handed over to the Jews where he was whipped and he was given over to Pilate where he was scourged on the post. He was bashed, sorry, 
with, with the Jewish uh, high priest and their guards. Then he was handed over to Pilate and he had have him flogged on the scourging post. And on the scourging post you got um, not a Jewish whip, not a Jewish whip where it was just a, a strap. It was a cat and nine tails where you have three to six to nine strands of a whip with metal tied to it and, and um, clay and, and they would wet it and they would whip him and then they ripped the skin off his body. Josephus, Josephus is a historian, Jewish historian, who wrote that his back looked like it had been ploughed. We know in Isaiah, it talks about him being disfigured unto human recognition. He was just a piece of meat on that cross. People turned their face because they were disgusted at his sight. So crucifixion was painful, excruciating, and it was long, just so you can suffer. Jesus, as I said, was bashed. His beard was ripped off, crown of thorns on his head, beaten, whipped, then carried across to the hill of Calvary, which is Golgotha, and then he was crucified. How he got to the cross is amazing. And he's hanging on a cross between two thieves. If you want to follow me, go to Luke chapter 20, sorry, Luke chapter 32. Sorry, Luke chapter 23, verse 32. I'm not going to read the whole lot. I was going to jump down because we just saw it there. I want to pick it up from, he's on the cross and they start to mock him. As we saw in the video, he prayed for them, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they do. And let me grab it in my Bible because I've got the passage but not the verse. And it talks about them mocking him. And I found it very strange that the two thieves, two of them mocked him as well. I think the last thing you should be doing is mocking anyone hanging on a cross. But Jesus, a, a wicked heart can make you do bad things. Amen? Luke 23 and verse 32. I want to show you something. They were, they were mocking Jesus. It talks about here in verse 32. I'll read it. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right hand side and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And they divided his garments, as we saw in the video, and cast lots for them. And uh, the people's, other people stood there looking at him. But even the rulers, when they sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself. Is he the Christ, the chosen one of God? Soldiers mocked him also, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are a king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription above the cross also written over him in letters in Greek, Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who, were, who hung blasphemed him, saying, if you are the Christ, save yourself. 
and save us. But the other answering him rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? Here you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we received the due reward for our deeds, but the man here has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say unto you, you will be with me in paradise. If you read the, the translation in Mark and Matthew, and it talks about both of them were mocking Jesus. And then he hears him, pray for his enemies, says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And something happened to one of the thieves. He's had a heart change. And here, this other thief was mocking Jesus. See, they're both in the presence of the Lord. Admittedly, it's in a pretty bad situation. They're on a, hanging on a cross. And these two thieves deserve death. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Whose son is this? Sign him up. There's two thieves on the cross. The two thieves represent us, mankind, the world. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All deserve punishment. All of us deserve help. There is no one good, not one of us. Jesus said, no way you call me good, the rich young ruler. But there's no one good but my Father in heaven. And yet there's two people on a cross next to Jesus, in the vicinity of Jesus, and here you see people mocking him, people telling him, okay, preacher man, son of God, Messiah, you did all these other miracles supposedly, save yourself. And one of the thieves says, save yourself and save us as well. And unfortunately, we have a generation of people when the Bible says when there's two and three gathered, Jesus is in the midst of us. Doesn't that the Bible say? Is that what the Scripture says? Amen? I'm, I'm afraid that when there's two or three gathered, there's only confusion in the midst now because no one can agree on anything because we've all got our own opinion and our own understanding. Yet when we're in the presence of the Lord, it's about the Lord, not about my opinion or your opinion. And yet here on the cross, they're in the midst of a holy God hanging on a cross and they could not see. They were mocking with the crowd. You see, if you want to follow the crowd, if you want to follow the crowd, you'll be there. See, I often think if I was there at the time of Jesus, I would have been one of the ones that said crucify him. Or maybe I was the one like Peter who I knew he was the truth and maybe I denied him. Or it could be like the others who said, Jesus is our Lord, but they ran for their life when, when trouble came. Even John ran. And yet John was there at the cross with the women. And I believe in your hearts of hearts tonight, I want you to understand something. That on the cross of Jesus Christ, which is gone, on the cross of Jesus Christ, there was three. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and he, he dropped this in my spirit. That the three, the Lord just out of nowhere, which is not where I wanted to go, spoke to my heart. Goes, the three people on the cross represent us, three of them. Lord, what do you mean? I understand the two represent us, a repented heart and a non-repented heart. Opportunity to repent and I don't want to, but I know you're God, you can save us and I'm bitter because maybe God hasn't answered my prayer when I wanted it or maybe why am I going through so much suffering? If you were really God, you would help me or I could be like the other guy, acknowledge that I have broken his laws and I have 
live the life of rebellion and I have to come to that place of repentance. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Lisa, like you, Tony. I didn't understand. He said, the thief on the left, and we're assuming the left because we know that the Bible says that God's going to separate the goats on the right-hand side and the, the, sorry, the, the sheep on the right-hand side and the goats on the left. He's going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And we go, I can go through a hundred scriptures. Rabbish touched on about the left side of the brain, the right side, left is the flesh, and right is the, um, what would you say, the, 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 the truth, the spirit. And isn't it interesting here, the Lord spoke to my heart, he says, the three of them on the cross represent you. So you're a spirit with a soul that lives in a body. But the world tells you that you're a body with a soul in a spirit. Some even tell you your spirit and your soul are combined and they're not. We are three in one. The one on the left represents the flesh. Can't be redeemed, won't want to be redeemed and rebellious at heart. The criminal on the right represents the soul. Broken, sinful, but wants to repent and we get saved. And the middle speaks of our spirit. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Spirit, soul and body. That's who we are. Amen? But the three people on the, the, the two people on the cross, and it's interesting if you read through, I wrote some notes here. One on the left and one on the right. They're both picture of the world. Both sinners, both need salvation. One repents, one denies, doesn't repent. One with an open heart to receive and one had a hard heart. One with a broken and contrite heart, one demanding God to save him and save himself. One went to hell, one went to heaven. That's the state of the world right now. It's symbolic to understand that the two thieves on the cross were in the midst of the presence of a holy God. They were in the midst of the Son of God. There would have been people trying to get to Jesus in those days and couldn't get to him. And they were both next to him and one received salvation and one didn't. Can I ask you a question? Could have the other one been saved? The other thief? Could he have surrendered his heart to the Lord? Would he have been saved? Did Jesus ask him about what he'd done in his life? What all the, the, the things that he'd done? Who knows what they got up to? One just said to him, Lord, remember me in your kingdom. You know, the devil's very crafty. If you have a look at Jesus, when he was taken up, taken to the desert to fast for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. What did the devil tempt him with? That if you are, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you are the son of God, he was up on the temple mount, jump off and before your feet hit the ground, angels will catch you. If you are the son of God, Listen, just worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms. Isn't it amazing the same tactic? See, Jesus started his ministry with the devil attacking him and he finished his ministry with the devil attacking him. Look at this. The Pharisee said to him, you save others, save yourself. The Pharisee said to him, the ruler said to him, you're going to knock that down temple, rebuild it in three days. The soldier said, are you a real king? The prisoners said, the criminal said, save us and save yourself. 
save yourself and save us. In the wilderness, they attacked his identity. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Could he have done that? Of course he could have. He says, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. They attacked him on his sonship. They attacked him on his deity. They attacked him on his prophetic gift on his life. They attacked him at the cross, the same thing. They took him on a temple mount. Jump off. What did they see? Knocked down the temple. They attacked him on his priesthood. Where's the temple? In the priest. The priest is in the temple. Then they said, are you a king? They attacked him. If you bow down and worship me, the devil says, I'll give you all the kingdoms. And then you'll be a real king. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He started his ministry of the enemy accusations and attack, and he finished. And the very sad thing here is so many Christians today are like those two thieves. Claim to be a Christian, born in a Christian family, go to church, do all the things, yet their life is a mess and there's no peace, there's no joy, there's no power, and you say that you have the victory in Jesus Christ. And we sit in the midst of our Lord and not understand the victory of the cross. And I've heard every theory under the sun. The cross, they saved the post, they took a bit of splinter off it, they did all this. You know what? This guy was on a cross, and this guy was on a cross, and none of those two crosses could save them. And they're coming out of the same timber batch as this cross, as Jesus' cross. See, the cross itself, without a sacrifice, is just a piece of timber. The cross is what Jesus did on the cross. Can someone say amen? See, our victory is from the cross. See, that cross, when Jesus hung on there, he took our shame, our guilt, suffering, our sin, our curses, our identity, and he placed it there. In other words, the Son of God became the Son of Man so we can be the children of God. On the cross, you can be so close to Jesus and be partaking. Imagine the thief that's in hell today thinking, I was there, I saw the crucifixion, I was right next to him. And I said, no. Because I didn't want God to do it my way. I wanted Jesus to answer my question my way because I know better. And the dumb thing is, listen to me, he says, save yourself and save us. And that's what he was doing. He was saving his soul on the cross and he missed out. He was saving him. The very thing. The Pharisee said, Knocked in the temple, rebuilt it in three days. That's what he was doing. He was knocking down an earthly temple so when he rose again, he could give us the Holy Spirit so we can be his temple. You know what he meant by knocking down the temple, rebuilding it in three days? His body. That he will die and rise again in three days. And there'll be a true temple. They tried to give him sour wine. Say, you a king? Yet from his body was the wine of the blood but we re-drink with symbolic of the true wine is his blood shed for us. And I love what this one of the thieves says, and we're going to assume it's the one on the right. And he says, don't you fear God? See, you know the saddest thing in life? And hear me out here. Our job as believers is to serve God in his kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. Preach the kingdom of God. 
Not more church, not more denomination, not more theory, not more. It's the kingdom of God. We preach the gospel, the good news, and people will repent and be saved. Amen? That's our job. In any way, shape, or form. That's our job. The sad thing is that they know he's God and still deny him. And there's so many people that know he's God, know the truth, and they still deny him. Why? Because of their bitter hearts. Psalm says this. What sacrifice can you give God but a broken and contrite heart? A broken spirit and a contrite heart. That's the sacrifice the Lord believes. What's a contrite heart? Did you see? I'll give you an example. Have you heard someone say this? Or I used to say it. I'm not that bad. I don't murder anyone. I don't kill anybody. And we think that we got a reward from God because we're doing the right thing. Paul was rounding up Christians and arresting them because he was zealous for God, the Bible says. He knew the first five books of the Bible by the age of 12 off by heart. He was a, a tribe, he's from the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee of all Pharisees. He was a true Jew. He goes, I'm a true Jew, circumcised on the eighth day and all these things. And then he says, and I was zealous for God, rounding up all these, heres these heretics, those Christians that believed that the Messiah came. And guess what happened to him? Once he had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, he goes, I'm the worst of all sinners. One minute, I, I don't kill anybody. I don't kill anybody. I, I obey the law. I'm doing everything right for God. I'm protecting the temple, protecting our traditions of our forefathers. I'm protecting our heritage. I'm a tribe of Benjamin. I know who I am because you've got to remember when the temple was destroyed in the Old Testament, the second temple was destroyed, most of the, the Jews got scattered. So when they rebuilt the temple, they all came back. Oh, I'm from the Levite tribe. I'm a priest. You're going to feed me now. He goes, show me your papers. Oh, I haven't got papers. In other words, no one knew who which tribe they were. People were lying to try and get in, back into the temple. But he was saying that I'm a, and a lot of them couldn't get circumcised like they were supposed to because there was no temple. But he's saying, I'm a true Jew, circumcised on the eighth day, like the law says. I've got my paperwork. I studied under this guy. I'm all these things. And I count that as dung. Look up what dung means. If I say it, my, my wife gets upset. Dung's, a, dung's another word for... <laughs> you want to grab him? Please, don't get distracted by the kids. I don't mind. But don't get distracted to this message tonight. Because Paul was saying that I'm a Pharisee of all Pharisees. I'm perfect in the eyes of the law and I count it all as dog crap. Just the surpassing knowledge to know Jesus Christ. And he had a broken and contrite heart because when you look at you and say, I'm not that bad, I'm not like that guy. And you know what you've done? You've put yourself on a pedestal and you know what? You've become God. A God unto yourself. But you don't know what I've been through. Who cares? God cares. That's why you hung on the cross. But you've been through it. You see, you've got to understand something. When I have a broken spirit and a contrite heart, when I get to my knees, when I fall on my knees and say, Lord, I can't do this anymore, that's when heaven starts to clap. It says, now I can do something with you. You know a lifeguard? Any lifeguards here? Of course not. We're all wogs. No one knows how to swim. But... Um, did I say, well, um, oh, you're a lifesaver. 
A lifeguard, a train that if someone's drowning in the beach and he's kicking and screaming because he's panicking, they swim out to him and they wait for him to give up. In other words, basically till he gets to the end of himself, he, he can't do it anymore and he starts to drown, then they come and save him. Why? Because if they go and try and get him, he's kicking, he's panicking, he's scared, they'll drown, they'll both of them will drown. So they wait till they get to the end of themselves and give up and can't breathe anymore and they get tired and they think they're going to die, that's when the lifeguard grabs them and now he can just take them in. And that's what God does to us sometimes. Till we get to the end of ourselves, he can't be manifest in us. There's some things that you're hanging on to and you're something in the presence of God and God's saying, lay it down for me so I can pick you up. See, I don't ever want to be a Christian. There's two types of Christians now. The ones that are in his presence and surrender to him and then the ones that don't. And you go around them every go around. And you wonder why God has not answering your prayers and God's just saying, wow. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ was the ultimate victory. And next week I'm going to talk about when he gave up his spirit, the temple veil was torn. Because you've got to understand something. It's not my power nor by might, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Everything we're going to accomplish on this earth is by the Holy Spirit through us. And I'm telling you now, you can have a list of things that have gone wrong and what you've prayed and how much you've given, how much time you've spent. But until it's surrendered to Him, all it is is a bunch of works which amount to nothing. I've been disappointed. I've prayed for people and they've died. I've prayed for people that haven't been healed. But I've prayed for people that have lived and I have prayed for people that have been healed. And I'm not going to sit at what I couldn't have done or what God couldn't have done or should have done. I'm going to rejoice in what He has done and that's the victory at the cross. Because in these last two years, what have you held on to that God, that's been stripped off you? What is it? Is it a relationship? Is it a church? Is it a, is it a, a promise? Is it a job? Is it a career? Because it's all been pulled out of the rug. And God's saying, do you still trust me? Are you willing to serve him? Listen to me. Are you still willing to serve him and not get a reward? Not get blessed the way you think. I know he's a blesser. I know he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. But are, is your motive is to get blessed and to do this and to do that? Or is it him just to know him? To worship him? He, one of the thieves says, remember me in your kingdom. He didn't ask him to be forgiven. He just remember me. But God knew his heart. He knew what he says, tonight you'll be with me in paradise. And I have to ask you all the questions that use anyone that said God doesn't understand, God's not in my world, I don't know where God is, God's not listening to my prayers, God doesn't care. I want to ask you a question. Jesus on the cross, he's been bashed since Thursday crown of thorns on his head, pierced, marred, bashed, kicked, ripped his beard off, whipped, then carry a cross, spat at, mocked, hanging on a cross. Nothing left of him, the Bible says. And he still looked over and says, tonight you'll be with me. He's gone through all that suffering, all that anguish, all that pain. And he still had the heart, the love, to look across and say, tonight you will be with me in paradise. Our loving Saviour, physically, in excruciating pain, 
and still caring about this guy and this guy and everyone else that was watching. Think about it for a second. Imagine hitting your thumb at work. I'm, I'll work in the trade. Hit your thumb and someone's asking you a question. You're going, leave me alone. Wait a second. Ask me a question. True. I'm busy. Why are you asking me a question? Yeah, he's hanging on a cross. And he still had the love. How do you have the energy to talk? How do you even care? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, he still looked over and says, tonight you'll be with me. See, that's the saviour I worship. That's the Jesus I serve. That's the one I'll do anything for because he went to the extreme for me. You know, Pontius Pilate, when he, when he, you have to understand something. Please listen to me. Listen to me. The cross was the ultimate goal of Jesus. Remember in the transfiguration? Read it. And he's there and Elijah and Moses appear. And there was Peter, James and John watching on the hill. And he transfigured. And the Bible says they were speaking to him about his decease in Jerusalem. Listen to me. Elijah, the head of the prophets, the number one prophet in the Jewish culture. Moses, the law. The law came through Moses. You put Mo, with, there's only basically Abraham, David, Elijah, and Moses are the pre top people in the Jewish culture. You got Elijah manifested. You got Moses manifested. And they're talking to Jesus about what? Getting to that cross. The motive is to get to that cross. And then they see him and they say, Is it right for us to be here? Let's build three temples or three altars. And then the cloud overwhelms them. And guess who's only standing there? Jesus. And God was showing them, forget the law and the prophets. They spoke about Jesus. Forget your traditions and where you've come from. He spoke about Jesus. The Old Testament was appointing. The Old Testament is the law and the prophets pointing to who? Jesus. And he gets to that cross. And Pontius Pilate now, before he gets there, doesn't know what to do. He doesn't care if he's a Jew and he, he Pontius Pilate did not care that Jesus claimed to be a king or the king of the Jews. He didn't care. He's a Roman. Go flog him, but don't kill him. That's what he said. And the Jews are coming every day. No, this is wrong. He claims to be a king. There's only one king in Herod. All right, send him to Herod. Send him to Herod. Send him back. Mate. Then his wife has a dream. And his wife says, don't touch him. He's innocent. He goes, leave me alone, woman. Now he's spooked. He's freaking out. And to save Pontius Pilate's life and headache, and I don't want any more headache of these Jews. He could have just killed Jesus. True. He could have had him flogged, get his head beheaded like John the Baptist. He could have done a lot of things. Instead, he says, you know what? You choose what? He's Barabbas and he's Jesus. you got Barabbas here and Jesus here. Two again. And Pontius Pilate says, okay, there's a tradition here. I can let one prisoner go. You choose him and my hands, I'll wash my hands from his blood. And they call out, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. Jesus didn't open his mouth one bit. You know, if Pontius, you've got to understand something. That dream that Pontius Pilate's wife got was from God. 
Why? Because if Pontius Pilate had killed Jesus, it would have been an execution, not a sacrifice. And we'd all be lost in our sin. But God, to his infinite wisdom and to Jesus, his obedience to death. That's why they say he was obedient to death, even death on the cross. Why? He shut his mouth. Didn't defend himself one bit. And when they were picking, the priest says, let his blood be on our children and our hands. And guess what the, the law says? That the priest has to pick the lamb. And guess what they did? They picked the spotless lamb. And he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Because if Pontius Pilate had killed him, stabbed him, anything, it would have been an execution and not a sacrifice. And none of us would be redeemed today. And you've got to remember, Jesus knew one thing. Oh, I've got to get to that cross. And that guy, to the last breath, he had a chance to be saved. Those two guys represent us. And we need to surrender our life to Jesus. Because that timber did not save us. On that cross, that timber did not save us. It's what Jesus did on the cross that saved us. Hallelujah. I often say that the cross was the great exchange. Jesus took our sin and gave us his righteousness. He took our curse and gave us his blessing. He took our poverty and gave us his, his abundance. It's the great exchange. What happens on a cross? There's, an, there's a chain. There's a crossroad. You have to make a decision. Are you willing to be in his presence and be broken? Or are you willing to be in his presence and give up your right for his right? That's the question tonight. Story about crucifixions. I just wonder, you know, to if Jesus was hung, would we be wearing a noose around our necks instead of a cross? If Jesus was put on an electric chair, would we be wearing an electric chair around our necks? And I'm not mocking anyone who's got a cross. I'm just trying to get you to understand that what he did on the cross is powerful because what he did after the cross, he rose again, amen? With a resurrection without a cross is just a sacrifice. But unless he rose from the dead, it's pointless. But we have a saviour that died on the cross and rose again and gave us the ability to be born of his spirit, to be born from above, to be born of his nature and his character. And the more we spend time with him and the more we serve him, the more we read his word and consume his word, the more we let go of our life so he can live, then we'll become like him. That's a promise from the Lord. It's a promise from the Lord. Look at this. <laughs> Sorry. It's my wife's phone. Didn't want to dob her in, but I had to. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. There's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. That's what we need to be. No longer I live, no longer you live, because you've been crucified with him. Any man be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away and behold, all things become new. It's the saddest place for me as a, not just even as a, as a pastor or as a preacher, or just sad when people are Christians and they're walking in defeat 
and there's no victory and there's no there's nothing. I'm not saying we don't have problems. We all do. But what I'm saying is that what comes out of your mouth is just hopelessness and that and that we live, we serve, but we say but we love Jesus. So what? So what if we love Jesus and we don't walk like him, talk like him? You know, it's interesting that Jesus was from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem, and Peter was in the denying Jesus. I go, I don't know him. He goes, no, you sound like him. Because when you hang around Jesus, you start being, you can't, he'll deny your denial. How many times have you said, I've I've had enough, I'm not serving him. And God says, no, you can say what you want, but I'll never deny myself. You can walk away from him and don't ever get your heart to that place. But what I'm saying is God is gracious and mercy and long-suffering. And he will, you know what, you can say what you want, but I know who you are. That's like saying, go away, I don't talk to you, and he's following you. Go away, I don't talk to you, he's following you. He's a pest, go away, go away. No, he can't beat him, you know. I remember there was a time there in my life, I didn't want to talk about God, leave me alone, leave me alone. I love Jesus, but that's it, leave me alone. And God would send me someone to preach to. Uh, That's it, that's the last time. That's it, tomorrow, that's it, leave me alone. Nothing's happening, it's all going wrong. Things are going wrong. Leave me alone, man. Send me someone else. And I start talking about Jesus. That's it. That's the last one. And then I end up preaching myself happy. He does it to me every time. I'm never going to talk about it again. That's it. I just love Jesus. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk about anyone. He sends someone else. What are you doing? Your life's bad. Put your hand around. Does it to me every time. Now I give up. I just. He loves you too much. Listen to me. Listen to my heart. He loves you just too much. I don't care where you've been, what you've done. What you think he can, there is nothing that he can't forgive you. Please stand. There is nothing, there is nothing he cannot forgive you of. If there's a sin that you have committed that you don't think he can forgive you, then what you're actually saying, the devil's stronger and more powerful than Jesus' blood. People say to me, oh, but the Bible says, that you can blaspheme the Holy Spirit as an unpardonable sin, and I think I've committed that. Well, by you asking me if you've done it, you haven't done it. Because if you've done it, you won't know you've done it, and you won't have a conscience to tell you that. I'm sorry that I've been yelling at you. I'm excited because when I talk about the cross of Calvary, see, too many churches aren't preaching the cross. They talk about the cross. They talk about other things, but the cross of Calvary, the cross of Jesus Christ, the one that he paid his ultimate life for, for the remission of sin, is the most, if you can't get that fundamental right, nothing I can say will change your world. We have victory in the cross of Calvary. The Bible says we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, and we don't love our life unto death. In other words, we are saved by the blood of Jesus. The devil cannot touch us. And when we testify that Jesus is what he did at the cross, and I don't care what you do to me, devil, kill me. Take my life, whatever you want. I'm going to be in heaven with my Father. The cross of Calvary. It's foolishness to the Greek and the stumbling block to the Jews. Let me rephrase that in modern day terms. The cross is foolishness to new ages, to philosophers, to environmentalists. It's foolish. And it's a stumbling block to religious people. Because religious people, no matter what religion, I don't care what religion you come from, even Christian who are religious, 
They look at the cross as a stumbling block. It takes away your effort. It takes away what you can do for him. It takes away, because salvation is through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And of course, when we give our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit moves into town. He comes into us and he manifests his word in us. At the word, you have to be hungry for his word. Who doesn't eat here? Other than rabs. Who doesn't eat here? <laughs> I'm not talking about fasting. I'm talking about who can go and not eat? It's, a sub, it's, a, it's, it's nutrition to your body. So is the word of God to your spirit. This is more than food. God is about to do something on this earth and we're living in a, such a time where we go by what we see and we're not going by enough by faith. The Bible says walk by faith and not by sight. But so many are swayed by what they see. And the sad thing is, Jesus could be in the midst of you and you ignore him because your heart is not right. I don't ever want to be with that faith. I don't ever want to be saying, save us and save yourself. What are you doing, God? Jesus, his heart was not right. Jesus could have said, I am saving you. This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm saving you. Don't ever treat the cross of Calvary as common. Don't ever treat the cross of Calvary as a bypass for Easter, just for Easter. Don't ever treat the cross of Calvary as a story to time. That's my life. That's your life. The second faith, the thief that denied Jesus is wailing and gnashing his teeth in hell today because he had the opportunity and rejected. The Bible says that the other thief was in paradise because in those days before Jesus had died and gone into the depths of hell and took the keys of death, hell and the grave, preached to the spirits in prison, which is in Abraham's bosom, and then he led them all into heaven. No one went to heaven until Jesus went first. He had to show the Father his arms and his feet. And he opened up the gates of heaven so there's a train of people going up there now. Paradise was Abraham's bosom. I want to ask you a question tonight in closing. They mocked him. You're a king. Save yourself. Knocked in the temple and rebuild it. They knocked his kingship. They knocked his priesthood. They knocked his anointing, the Messiah, his sonship on that cross. And everything he was doing was the very thing he was supposed to do. He was supposed to be the lamb that was slain. He was the high priest that slayed the lamb or was partaking of the lamb. He was on a cross, which is an altar. He was saving their souls. And they didn't see it. I want to pray for you tonight, where you are. And the first prayer I want to pray is for those who do not know Jesus. You're around him. You might have known about him. You might have touched him. You might have heard about him, but you've never, ever surrendered your life to him. Today is the day of your salvation. 
Because I can't guarantee you, you walk out that door and get hit by a bus and die tomorrow. Without Jesus, you're going to hell. But with Jesus, you have everlasting life. I don't know everyone in this room. This is no message of condemnation. This is a message of truth. Very last second, Jesus would save you if you reach out to him. If you don't know him, I'd love to pray with you. If you do know him, but you're away from him and your heart is bitter towards him and you're asking all these questions, come up to the front and let's pray. You're not coming to me. I've got nothing to give you other than Jesus. But we're coming in agreement as a family and we edify. Let's get the devil out of your life and let's get the Holy Spirit back in. Amen. And the third purpose I want to pray for, I want to pray a blessing of the finished work. I pray that you get a manifestation, a revelation of who he is. The Adam went from revelation knowledge, knowing just God. He didn't know right from wrong. He just knew God. And when he sinned, he went to information. And now we've got to go from information to revelation. Information doesn't change you. Revelation changes you. And the Holy Spirit is willing and able to pour His Spirit into you. If you have been dragging the chain, you feel like God's forgotten you, nothing's going to plan, listen to me, come to the front. Come into His presence. Because on the, on the cross was the great exchange. On that cross, at the cross, I bow my knee. Bible says, whoever wants to keep his life, life must lose it. And those who lose their life will find it. The word life in the Greek means soul. Life is in the soul. The Spirit gives life to the soul. Any man who loses his soul will find it. Boy, do I know that. Boy, did I learn the hard way. But he's a gracious, loving God. His hand is never short. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, or you're one of those three tonight, the floor's open. Please, you're not coming to me. I have nothing to give you. But you're coming into the presence of an almighty God, and I will agree with you. I will pray with you. I don't want you to walk around fatherless. I don't want you to walk around like an orphan. I don't want you to walk around powerless. We are children of light. Walk in the light. Father, I thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Your word is true. Father, I thank you that we don't want to play games, but we want to surrender our life to you, to serve you. We want to be able to understand what your spirit is saying in this moment and this time. God, bless where we've come from, but Lord, we want to go into the future. We want to go into what you have already ordained for us. Just like Jesus, he was obedient, even obedience unto death to the cross. Father, I thank you for every person that's listening to my voice. People listening online, please. I beg you from the bottom of my heart, surrender your life to Jesus. Stop playing games. Let him be the Lord of your life. 2,000 years ago, he was crucified 
And today, the power of that cross is just as effective as it was back then. The Holy Spirit has not left us. He's with us. But he's a gentleman. And gentlemen don't force their way. You have to invite him in. So while you're there, everyone can pray together. We can just pray a blanket prayer all together. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I'm serious. I'm so serious tonight. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day you come back to the cross and you bow your knee to the cross. But when you leave, you leave the garbage at the cross because he took all the garbage, all the filth. I'm not allowed to carry something that Jesus carried. You know that? It's, it's, it's actually blasphemy for me to carry something that Jesus carried. So if he took my sin, I'm not allowed to carry that anymore. I'm a child of God, sanctified and set free by the Holy Spirit. And so are you. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I confess that Jesus is Lord, that he died for me, on the cross. He was buried and he rose again on that third day. I am a child of God because of the blood of Jesus. He's washed me and cleansed me. And today I confess I am saved. I'm delivered and I am set free. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Holy Spirit, I invite you in. Fill me with your presence. Become my teacher. And today is a new day. I confess, I decree, and I proclaim that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. By faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Well done. If you want prayer, as I said,